until we're not wizards. Can I hear it? Yes. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for August. Now, a long time ago, you maybe, you just had plain old catacombs. And then we involved a little bit of a Wervin's Lair. And then we brought in some castles. And then we decided to go into a conquest. And now, we're sick of the war. We're tired of the fight. We just maybe want to get our little square-shaped blocks and make something. So we're moving back into the cubes. So here to talk about Catacombs Cubes with me. He's not only a repeat offender, he's kind of like on parole. He's out there. He's building stuff. He's just, you know, he's here. It's Aaron West from Elzer Games. Hey, Aaron. Hi, Richard. How you doing? Keeping well, thanks. Good. Working hard. <laughs> Playing hard. <laughs> yeah, a bit of both maybe, but not a awful pretty. lot of play to be honest with you. No. Mostly work. No, no. Um you're one of my you're one of my favourites. You know, you know that by now. Well you know, sweet it's of you to a, say so. You know, it's just one of these things. Um but yeah, it's it was a long intro, but it was the reason it was a long intro is because um you have an, a new game coming to Kickstarter very, very soon. Some would say it is a bit of a departure from what we have seen from the House of Eldra in the past and uh, that you're maybe doing a little bit of homemaking, you could potentially say. Um, so I guess we should start off, first of all, by saying hello to everybody who's out there who hasn't listened to the show before. The reason we do this is because I like having Aaron on the show. Because he's always good fun. So, how are you? Are you are you are you doing well? Are you excited? How's I think the first thing to touch on is how's how's things going with the rest of the fulfilment for the campaign at the moment for the catacombs, um, kind of big box extravaganza, kind of manufacturing and stuff. All right, yeah. So that's a good place to start. So, yeah, we're working hard on that still. Um, there's been some delays with the with the factory uh, in the past um, you know when we were newer to Kickstarter I'd be willing to suggest that we were responsible in part for for those those delays but uh, with this one we were broadly ready to launch the campaign and put the product into production and uh, this time round, uh, without wanting to throw anyone under the bus, it's mm. been the factory that's been um, slow to to pull this together. Mm-hmm. What we decided was is that we had a choice at the beginning. This is a complex product, and we could either get the factory to deal with the complexity, mm-hmm. or we could choose to get the fulfillment companies to deal with the complexity. 
Yeah. And we opted for the former. So this means that the factory is responsible for constructing four different SKUs. Yeah. And the, the SKUs roughly are the main game, uh-huh. the, 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 the big box version without any uh-huh. of the extra content. Yeah. There's a variation that adds in this Wildlands expansion. There's the upgrade version if you had the game already. Yeah. And there's the plus version, which gets you everything with the exception of the Wyverns expansion. So yeah. we, we knew when we were getting into this campaign that people were going to be asking us to make a lot of the different products that they may have missed available to them. And so we knew that we were going to be, in effect, opening a sushi bar with a, a number of um, bespoke orders. Yeah, and yeah. that right away, we'd have to have a solid plan to manage that potential complexity. And part of what we did, uh, in addition to being very ready to produce the product itself, was we developed our own pledge manager. So we now use the Elsra pledge manager for oh, okay. to maintain um, and organize uh-huh. the various uh, the various orders. So we had that on the one side. We thought actually we'd use it the first time with Catacombs Cubes, but we were able to bring the release of the Ellsbury Pledge Manager forward. And it's been very beneficial in allowing us to um, segment backers according to the various fulfillment centers and to reach out to backers that we needed more information from. Okay? Yeah. So that was useful. But during the course of the campaign, we decided that we decided to have the factory take on the complexity. And so they they were supposed to be creating these four variant SKUs. Okay? And mm-hmm. um, there's getting them to understand how to do that has been challenging. And I meet with the factory owner and our account representative at the various conventions. I met with them at Origins, for example. I met with them again just recently at Gen Con. Yeah. And my understanding is is that everything is complete. So all the wood parts are complete, all the printed parts are complete, all the uh, uh, vacuum trays are complete. Everything's complete. It's just sitting there waiting to be assembled. And for that assembly to proceed, now that they have our assembly instructions well understood, is they need our final shipping plan which is what we've submitted to them. Yeah. And now we're working with them on that shipping plan. But we're approximately two and a half months late here because this was supposed to be really wrapping up at the end of, at the end of May. So um, we, we've really just been struggling to get the factories to understand what they need to do to do this final assembly part. And uh, I, I think there's been some language barriers. For the first two projects that we did with this factory, I was working directly with the factory owner. Yeah, yeah. The X factor in this project, which has contributed this to, the, to this delay, was that this factory's become more popular 
and we were right. we were delegated to this account representative and it's this has been the, the source of the challenge this this is something that uh i i didn't foresee when i did my detailed plan for the entire project so catacombs cubes for example is being done uh, being produced by a separate factory it's completely yeah. different so okay. this has helped us to work with both projects in parallel. Okay. So I'd wanted to launch Catacombs Cubes after we had completely fulfilled Catacombs 3 with the playmats. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's a if people can indulge me, I think it's better to use of time to do the campaign for cubes now and then um, focus on the fulfillment of Catacombs 3 with the playmats when it arrives after the final assembly is completed. And I work every day on this. Every day I sit down and I do my best to answer questions and move this forward. And as of this weekend, that's just passed, so we're talking on August 19th, mm -hmm. uh, Richard and I, um, this weekend that's just passed, I think I've made some... Uh, some breakthroughs there and, and getting this, getting them to understand the draft um, shipping plan. So that's, that, that's where we're, we're at with that. I just, basically, I just couldn't wait any longer if I wanted to release cubes this year. And I do want to release cubes this year. Yeah. Not because I'm being impatient. I've already delayed it for one year. Originally, we were going to launch the campaign for Catacombs Cubes last year in September. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've delayed it for almost the whole year, and the game has benefited from that additional development time. So while we've been waiting, for example, for feedback from the other factor about Catacombs 3, the playmats, we just switched horses and worked on cubes. So the two have been basically in development in parallel. Yeah, I mean, that sounds completely... It must be frustrating if you're trying to... Especially if you think somebody's grasped the game plan and how you want something to play out, and then you have a conversation with them and it turns out not entirely grasped what you're doing. And, and and these meetings, they generally don't happen day after day after day. It's usually you'll have a catch up every couple of weeks. And if things, you know, as you say, things can move in the wrong direction, you can end up um, frustrated. Um, I, but one of the things you're very good at is though, is keeping all the backers kind of informed, you know, um, and I'm guessing that, well, a delay on a Kickstarter is kind of like an expected, a kind of a normal thing, but you're generally pretty good at kind of communicating kind of any potential kind of road bumps in the way. But um, also at the same time, understand that you're wanting to get kind of cubes kind of kind of out there. Because it is um, it's a new direction for you uh, from what I can, from what I can see. Um, and I wanted to ask you about that really, because um you've had you've had you could continue i guess in some way shape or form to go down the kind of the i guess the dexterity system kind of route and i think you could continue to release expansions to that and and people would i mean i i you know i'd be quite happy to to kind of jump on every single time you release something different for the for the kind of what you could say a franchise, what made you decide to to break away from that to go for something kind of kind of different? 
Well, when I first saw the early prototype of Catacombs Cubes, I really liked the puzzle-like element of building with these blocks to create uh, the, the, the final shape. And so I, I approached the designer, and this will be our first third-party design that we publish. So uh, Ken Vallis, who is a fellow Canadian just down the highway uh, from us, is responsible for the uh, original concept behind Catacombs Cubes, what became mm -hmm. Catacombs Cubes. Mm -hmm. And he shaped um, the original uh, rule set, and I stepped in and I've helped him to um, really refine the game and to, to bring it into the, the Catacombs world. My intention here was to produce a game that is still innovative, still has our trademark tactile element to it, but yeah. is approachable in a way that's completely different. Because let's face it, there's some people that don't want to flick discs around on a board, right? As much or playmat as much as people that are part of the whole catacombs. Uh, franchise, as you said, like the catacombs, um, get games that involve flicking discs. There's quite a lot of people that don't necessarily find that enjoyable or don't yeah, necessarily yeah. want to do that on a regular basis. It's not for them. And that's fine. I mean, this is actually a game where you can, that has catacombs on the tin, if you like, that you can actually remain seated for the entire time <laughs> that you're playing it. <laughs> Imagine I, I, that. Yeah. I, I, my knees are very, very grateful to you, Mr. West, for your kind consideration. <laughs> exactly. So you can sit for the whole game now and, uh, and, and play it. The other thing about um, Catacombs Cubes, which you know, is interesting, is the fact that this will be the, the first game that will include a solo mode out of the box. So oh, can, that so, is interesting. So yeah. you can you can play it by yourself, and I invited Ken to work on developing a solo mode, and it is available with the game right at launch. We we're not going to do any oh surprise here's a here's a solo mode which yeah, must have yeah. been in development. You don't just yeah. invent these things overnight and pump them out. Um, uh, you know it, it takes it takes. Uh, time, effort, resources to uh, develop something like this and, and do it properly. Um, so that was another aspect of, of the game. You can, not only are you, so you're, you're not flicking discs, you can remain seated, and you get a solo mode. I'm sold. No. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it exciting for you then to have like in a different kind of direction? I mean, has it been... Is it been like a nice comfort blanket to get underneath the kind of the, the catacombs kind of brand and go, yeah, you know, I, we just need to do this and we'll do this and we'll bring in this kind of mechanic. But is this kind of like a little bit of kind of outside your comfort zone as well, kind of moving away from from something that you've been nigh on involved with for at least, you know, was it three, four, with longer than that, isn't it? Four or five years now for the catacombs kind of, game itself yeah to be honest with you it wasn't that far out of the comfort zone because let's face it uh catacombs itself does feature a gelatinous cube 
So I just thought of it as <laughs> that you've got a, you've got lots and lots of gelatinous cubes that you happen to be using to to build these structures. So, but in all honesty, though, it's a it's a game that features wood parts, and wood parts is definitely something that we that we specialize in. I think it would have been a bit more outside of our comfort zone if it was a game that featured plastic miniatures, which at some point I think we will do because we're you know the team and I are interested in doing something like that. Yeah. But it won't be a miniatures for miniatures sake kind of game. Um, yeah. But if the the fact that uh, that that this game Catacombs Cubes uses wood parts is it's pretty comfortable for us in that regard. How do you play it? I mean, what is the premise behind it? You know, what what's what what's different from 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 cubes and anything else that you made before? Well, the the premise behind it is is that you're looking to score points and you're building the town that's above the catacomb. So if you look at the catacombs three box, you see this kind mm-hmm. of village that was drawn there, and th- this is the idea that you know you're building that town, and um, you know the catacomb is underneath it somewhere, but that doesn't necessarily factor into this particular game. So it's kind of like a bit of a a preview, if you like, a prelude to the to the original catacombs three. And what you're mm-hmm. doing in it is is that you're on your turn. The game is played over several turns, and on your turn, you are either drafting resources or building a structure tile. There's various kinds of structure tiles, but when you build a structure tile, you're flipping it over, and there's artwork on the other side, and you're Mm -hmm. adding it to the village grid. When the village grid grows to a certain size, according to the number of players, the game is over, and Mm. there's some final scoring, and then a winner is declared. Okay? And that is a very, very broad overview about what you're doing in it, okay? So on your turn, you're either drafting or building. And so a building tile has a three-dimensional representation of the the building that you're expected to construct. Yeah. Okay? Like a very simple one might be the obelisk, for example. The obelisk consists of uh, five cubes. They're all stacked up, but you can arrange those those cubes in any way you want. So there's different kinds of resources in the game, and these resources correspond to Tetris-like shapes. So a single cube is black, and it's called obsidian. Yeah. Two cubes stuck together in a line is called glass. It's blue. Mm-hmm. Three three cubes that are stuck together is bamboo and so on. Okay? So to make, say, something like the obelisk, I could stack five single obsidian cubes, one on top of each other. I could also, conversely take two glass which both con- which consists of two cubes put one glass down put another glass down and put an obsidian on the top or for example i could take one bamboo which consists <laughs> of three cubes and put a glass on the top and so that's again five cubes so there's already just with this very simple example three different ways that i could build this particular structure yeah. and um that's the novelty of it in the sense that each turn you're going to be getting different resources and each turn there's probably going to be different buildings that you have available uh, in the village plan for you to construct and you'll be able to then contribute those uh, buildings to the the village grid and 
the, the, the start of the village grid is always the town hall in the center. So you build b beside it. But when you build something, you're also getting rewards. And when you connect something, connect two tiles together, there's also connector rewards. So there's various ways of scoring during the course of the game. And uh, you also have the option of using these coins, which you're going to collect, and you do start with some as well, that allow you to do different actions too. So an example of one of those actions is, is that I might have a resource that's unsuited to the task. So for example, I might have the T-shape, which is the crystal piece, yeah. and I really need a straight – I don't need the T. I need the yeah. straight three. I really need a bamboo. So yeah. I can actually take a power drill or a hammer or a chisel, if you like, and I can actually break off – not physically break it off, but you kind of substitute it – yeah. Nobody, nobody expects people to run to their, 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 <laughs> their toolboxes and, you know, hack the piece. It's not a legacy game in, with wood, right? Where you've got to kind of hack the pieces up. Nothing like that. Okay. You've oh. thought about that though, haven't you? I mean, admit it. There uh, has been a part of you that thought we could do a legacy version of this. Yeah. And then sell people infinite sets of, uh, of wood parts to replace the ones that they've, ma you know, mashed up. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting marketing idea, but, um, but yeah, we we did well. Maybe on a dark, you know, start dark and stormy night, we did consider it vi briefly. But anyway, you can you can break it you can break it down, and you can get the crystal to become a bamboo, for example. Okay, actually, in the case of crystal, you can get it make it become a stone, which is an angle one. But the point is, All is right. that you can break it down, and then you'd be able mm. to to add it in. So there's the opportunity of actually transforming the resources that you've drafted as well. So there's, uh, there's, there's quite a lot to it. So you can, you can choose to play it as a game that, you know, there's some, there's a, there's a simpler version of it. But if you, as you get more familiar with it, you can add in some of these, these other elements. So for example, you have your own residence in the town. So you don't have to necessarily play with residences the first time you play. But yeah. once you, once you're more familiar with it, you can choose to deal out the residences. But an important thing that we did consider is the fact that you can, you can choose to use when you're drafting either wooden dice with stickers or quarry tiles, tokens. So, oh, right. okay. so if you don't like dice, uh -huh. you've got tiles instead. The other aspect to it is, is that you can, choose to play with a competitive version uh -huh. where if something's if a particular piece say a crystal is not available in the quarry supply i can take it from one of the other players construction yards on their player boards that's a take that element if you don't like that you can play with what's called the passive resource rule where you yeah. take the next resource down in an ordered sequence. So the next one down from crystal would be, say, something like stone. So instead of taking crystal, I would take one a, a stone from the supply, and if the stone wasn't available, I'd take a bamboo, for example. So you can choose to actually play the game now in such a way that you can play with the passive mode with tiles, which is a very European-style game, or you can play it with dice competitively, which is a more American style game or any combination of those uh, variables. And th these are all first party 
supported rules. So these aren't just stuck at the end. You know, these are advanced rules and you know, the dusty cobwebs at the end of a manual that nobody ever reads. You actually mm-hmm. have to choose when you're playing the game how you want to do it. Are we going to play uh, competitive versus passive? And are we going to use the wood dice versus the um, the, 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 the quarry tokens? Did that come out in a discussion then? Did you actually, when you were going through this with Ken, did you have the discussion and say, right, are we just going to go down one route and go with the dice and the competitive? Or did you actually say, did somebody, did one of you turn to the other and just say, well, you know, can't we do both? And is that kind of where it came, kind of came from? Or, or was that the kind of the plan from the very beginning? The plan from the very beginning was wood dice. Um, right. Or sorry. I should say the plan from the beginning was dice of some kind. Yeah. They're six-sided dice. And my concern that I expressed to Ken was is that given the arrangement of the faces on those dice, injection-molded plastic dice, custom ones, would be prohibitively expensive. And that right. that turned out to be true. So we pivoted to the use of the tiles. and. Very towards the end of the uh, development cycle, um, another colleague of mine in the industry, Jack Eddy from Cardboard Herald, he said to me, "Well, you do know that there's this game La Granja No Siesta that uses wood dice, and they have stickers, and this this could be a solution to the the, the production cost issue." And I proceeded to buy a copy of La Granja No Siesta, and we evaluated mm. what they had what they had done. And because in my previous deliberations related to wood dice, I was concerned about the quality of them. But in La Granja, the quality didn't seem to be an issue. They rolled fine. And for this this game, it doesn't have to be perfect in quotes randomness. Yeah. Okay. Like, remember, with casino dice, they have to be manufactured to a very, very precise standard. Yeah, exactly. Or else, yeah. Or else yeah. they're unfair. Okay. Yeah. So, but this game, these the the way that the the, the randomness that these that these dice are producing, the source of randomness is it's not it doesn't matter whether they're it's it's right precise down to the standards that would be required, say, for a game of chance in a in a casino. So we were able to, and the designer, by the way, was very uh, happy about this, to introduce the wood dice right at the 11th hour again and provide people with the choice. So both of these techniques uh, for uh, doing the drafting were well tested Mm -hmm. because the whole game started with wood dice and it was extensively tested with the the quarry tiles as well. Um, but it just so happened that we were able to find a manufacturing technique that we were uh, satisfied with that allowed us to to bring the wood dice back. Now, in regards to the uh, competitive versus uh, passive modes, this was direct feedback that I received uh, last year from a couple of educators uh, at Dice Tower Con. And they said, this game is going to be great as an educational tool for teaching children spatial relationships. Wow. But you can't, what I'm trying to control 
a, a, a whole classroom of say grade five kids or grade four kids or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I can't have them dealing with a take that mechanic and, you know, little Johnny took my crystal away from me and, yeah. you know, what, what do we do about this? So we listened very, very carefully to that feedback and we made sure that the, that if you want to play with the take that mode, you can. And we identified as such. You can play with that mode or you can play with the, you can play with the passive mode and it, it's completely interchangeable. I've played recently with wooden dice, and um, I think the th- the only thing I found to get over with wooden dice is the actual weight of them, because they they're considerably lighter than your normal kind of acrylic dice. So the it's they can f- they feel it's just a case of getting used to the weight. The actual randomness I find it was fine, and it's a game I'm currently um, I've been lucky enough to be sent a copy called Sumo Gnomes. Which is about rolling dice and 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 pairing off against others. So I can see, I can see where the concern is. I'm just fascinated by the kind of the different route that you've gone down with all the kind of the different, the kind of the different options. And was that also, was that also to help with the longevity of the game as well, to to allow people to have these different modes that they could kind of mix and match, so they could get the base game to the table everyone would understand the different rules but then you're bringing in almost like a slight variation so we could say well today we're playing co- cooperatively but we're going to play with the quarry tiles um, because to to kind of reduce the, the, the kind of the randomness of the game effectively, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we, we wanted, we didn't want a particular mechanic or rule set to um, uh, undermine the, the the value of the game for a certain class of player, and by doing this, you're right. We do increase the replayability because you can now give it a try in using the the the, the different uh, the, the different modes, and mm-hmm. it's all uh, you know pretty smooth in terms of how you set it up and. Um, and, and you know choose how you're going to play it. So we, we do like to make sure the games are that we produce and publish are well supported and yeah. you know, remain in print. So yeah, we, we wanted to make sure that we would address as many of these potential concerns as possible. And the accessibility as well, with you mentioning that you're looking at taking it into grade school, I take it um, you're kind of staying with the same thing that you came along with the Catacomb series so far is that you can introduce it to kind of younger children and they have the ability to kind of easily quite easily grasp what's going on because I was able to play you know Catacombs Conquest Catacombs and Castles with um, my youngest son who we didn't necessarily play with the, play with the cards on conquest, but he certainly was flicking the discs about and stuff like that as well. So was that was that again something with cubes to say? Well, we kind of want anybody just to be able to pick it up and 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 get on there and understand the basics and kind of start playing. Well, certainly from the perspective of looking at the game as a almost like a wood Lego set, you can mm-hmm. you can do that. I mean, you know the the the, the tiles are there, and mm-hmm. you've got. A variety of different shapes that you can challenge yourself to uh, to make, 
And certainly kids, just to get started, may just enjoy sitting there and doing some doing some, some free-form imaginative building of their own. Mm-hmm. In terms of you um, kind of playtesting it, has it been a different game to play to approach in the playtesting? And, and you know, and obviously with uh, there's a big difference. Well, there's yeah. To me, there would be a slight big a slight difference in the terms of playtesting a dexterity game, which can often be down to a your mileage may vary type thing. You know, I'm dreadful at catacombs. My finger, you know. Lives are lost and animals get hurt whenever I start flicking discs, you sure, know, anywhere. Sure. Yes. Whereas cubes sounds attractive to me, unless, of course, I'll probably end up eating a cube, Aaron. I'll okay. end up in the hospital or having to wait, you know, it's just how it roll. But the approach to playtesting was that, did you have to look at a slightly different approach to your playtesting than you'd done before with the kind of the catacombs kind of um, dexterity game? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a very different, um, very different game because there's a there's an ordered sequence, and you're unlike in catacombs, for example, you're not doing. There's not the potential to be dealing with all these different changing game states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When when someone flicks a disc in catacombs, the whole game state can change. In fact, that's one of the key strategies in in catacombs is to is to manage that change in game state. Um, but with cubes, it's a it's got more regularity to it. And in terms of the actual uh, playtesting, uh, I have to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Ken was the designer was responsible for conducting uh, the vast majority of the playtests. So this it was something that that he did. And he would give me regular playtest reports, mm-hmm. and I would provide my feedback to him. And um, it was really uh, my knowledge of various uh, worker placement games, because that tends to be what our group uh, plays a lot of, that I was able to feed him some suggestions based on design, other designs that, and other techniques and mechanics that, that I had seen. Yeah. So... Um, Ken, Ken did the vast majority of the playtesting and did a fantastic job of it, I might, might add. And he had, because he had to get together groups of yeah. different numbers of players. Because, um, although the game supports one to four, uh, it, it, in the, 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 the initial boxed version of it, if you like, the, on the Kickstarter, you can receive the components, uh, to support a fifth player. All oh, right. Okay. So, and, um, and, and who knows, it, it may, may scale from there. I am going to just as a very, very quick aside, and before I forget, because I am a, an old man and my brain does not work like it is, how excited are you for the kind of the update of Kalis? Because I know it's one of your favourite games. Have you been keeping an eye on the news about the kind of the updated version that's I think it's going to be uh, might be coming to Kickstarter quite soon. Well, first of all, I hadn't heard that it was coming to Kickstarter soon, but I have been following it, let's say at arm's length. Uh, okay. So I'm I'm aware that they're doing something with it. Um is it uh is is it something that we're that we're going to like? 
I'm not sure. I can guarantee you that if and when it's released, we will be yes. getting a copy and we will be testing it. That's for sure. Because <laughs> I know it's one of your favorites. Yeah, I remember right. speaking oh, yeah, to you yeah, about it. Oh, no, definitely. Yeah. We played it just the other day. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely one that uh, that will that will pick up. And uh, it's interesting, you know. Um, I'll speak to. I meet different game designers, and uh, sometimes they'll have created a game that has worker placement mechanics and quite a few of them have never played Kalos and I always say to them you know if you're making a worker placement game it really behooves you to to play the what I my opinion I think is opinion of many others that uh, you know to, to try the game that, that got it all started and really sort of encapsulated what a worker placement game could could look like I heard I heard it um who is it was talking about it recently um and I'm gonna hurt, I'm gonna hate myself for kind of like forgetting who this was, but um, they basically said that Kalis was like pure kind of worker placement that there wasn't any of this um, kind of variation thing that's been brought into a lot of worker placement games where you get people to share spaces or you get there's an additional kind of mechanic you can add where you can you can gain the rewards. Kalis was just like if you're not. <laughs> If you're not in this game, if you've not kind of started playing this properly within the first kind of couple of moves, then you can end up kind of ruining the rest of your game. It can have a a, a kind of a, a repercussion for how you kind of play later on. So, which kind frequently of happens to me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I kind of I'm interested in yeah I'm interested in kind of um, I'd like to play it basically. I'd like to. Um, to see, because I, I am a fan of, um, I am quite a fan of worker placement games. Um, Dinogenics, which I got to the table quite recently, has become a bit of a, a firm favourite of mine. Of, um, of like, have have you not thought about doing a worker placement game, then, Aaron? I mean, is is there not in your playbook? Is that going to be your kind of your, your, I don't know, your last kind of, um, your final kind of performance on this, the operatic stage of tabletop is for you to release the ultimate worker placement game, do the mic drop, and then just check out the hobby altogether kind of thing. Well, there is a worker placement game design that uh, I'm following. Um, I did uh, meet with the designer a couple of times, and mm-hmm. uh, he's still working on refining it. But I've said to him that I'm I'm interested, so... You never know. That's not a no. That's not a denial. I've got this on tape. That's fantastic. Um, that's that's not a no. That's correct. That's t- <laughs> I'm definitely. That's fantastic. Um, in terms of one of the things about Catacombs cu- uh, Cubes, which I like, as you were kind enough to send me the the rulebook to um to have a look over in awe and wonder because it was like opening up a. It was like opening up a rainbow <laughs> and seeing what was inside it because the 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 illustrations, the graphics, and everything are bright and wonderful and colourful. And it wasn't a case that catacombs wasn't bright and colourful, but it was a kind of a different approach. Like you say, it was this was kind of like the above the above ground kind of palette. Um, who's who have you got doing the art for catacombs cubes then? Well, for this game, uh, illustrations are uh, 
drawn by the, uh, the the talented Dennis Martinets, who also did uh, Ten Minute Heist, The Wizard's Tower, among other mm-hmm. uh, titles. Mm-hmm. And all of the graphic design is done by our um, uh, in in house um, guy who's responsible uh, for this, uh, Jordan Silvestri. So he he does all of the the the, the layouts for us and uh, the, the and the the, the graphic uh, gra- graphic design flourishes. The artwork in Catacombs Cubes is 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 beautiful and it's airy and light and breezy and it's kind of enticing and it's very kind of it's very cute and I liked it. I like it an awful an awful lot. We is was that what you were trying to go for along with the kind of the accessibility to make it kind of you know that kind of enticing. Yeah, we wanted something that was going to be family friendly. Mm-hmm. appealing, attractive, and more importantly, Dennis, uh, based on some of his his previous work, has experience in drawing these highly detailed illustrations of fantasy buildings mm-hmm. and including in those illustrations a number of little flourishes that if you study the tiles, you'll see little nods to the to the catacombs world in there and they're all pretty deliberate like there's a lot of the heroes and monsters yeah. and and uh, other characters from catacombs that that make an appearance not in every single one of them but in, yeah. a, in, in, in a lot of them I even say the vast majority of them all have little nods to the the, the catacombs world you know here's the centaur warrior doing something you know here's yeah. you know the wyvern rider doing something and you know it's them Having an interaction, a conversation, uh, you know, and, and these figures are tiny, but this is the degree of detail that we're seeing here, because the, the you know, the artwork budget for this game was considerable. There's a lot of art in here, you know. I think there's, you know, at least you know, 30, 40, 50 buildings, something like that. There's a lot of them, you know. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot of diversity there in that regard in terms of the, the number of buildings and how they're presented. Did you make any suggestions for little kind of Easter eggs? I mean, is there kind of like special nods and winks in the game to people that only certain people will get? Kind of thing. I will just put that in there. That would be cool. Kind uh, of thing. Yeah, de- definitely. Um, <laughs> so there was, there's a little story, if you like, that's told in these tiles. Okay, so this is the first time I'm sharing this publicly on this kind of a forum, but there's a there's a level one building called the Wedding Church, because um, uh, Nazilla and I uh, got married uh, last year, and we got the the illustrator Dennis to to draw us in front of the in front of the wedding church. So when you look at the wedding church tile, oh. there's the two of us there. Nazilla's in her white dress, and I'm in a suit, and then. There's another tile uh, that that we have available where it's called the Honeymoon Cabin. And it shows, again, us walking up to the front of the Honeymoon Cabin, and there's, some, there's a character or something like that greeting us or something. Now, I should mention, folks know that I'm always working hard, so I haven't even taken a honeymoon yet. Um, I haven't even had time. 
Um, you know, that's how committed I am to Just working on the, the Kickstarter for Catacombs 3 with the playmats and Catacombs Cubes. But then, just to continue the story, there's also the, uh, the Hearthshire Stables, which was a building that showed up in, as the, in the stretch goals of Catacombs 3 with playmats. It's another location you can go to. And it mm-hmm. now has a corresponding tile in this game. And Nazella, who loves resort, uh, horses, is there. It's her character that's there at the stables. And finally, there's another tile called the Homestead, which where she's standing outside it, and I guess this is supposed to be our house or something like that, and there's a she's kind of directing people to move, move the stuff into it or something to that effect. So there's this little story that progresses across it's all Easter eggs across this this one set of tiles. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, you you actual romantic man. I bet you, and you would have like. And I got some points for this, of course, right? I got, I got some, I got some nice points for this for sure. I'm sure you did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you got your lunch made for you for a couple of weeks and stuff like that, just as a thank you. I that is just so so kind of cute, and that's going to be in a game. So like, yeah. So in the base funded in the base in the base game, uh, it's, it's the the wedding church that's that's in the base game. Um, and so, you know, that you can see us uh, there on on that tile for sure. You're just, you know, I mean, you're just, I, you're, you know, I'm speechless because that's just one of the cutest things I've ever heard. I've heard of many things, but uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Just that there's going to be potentially, you know, <laughs> thousands of people that are going to be like opening the box, playing the game, and there's going to be like a little representation of your kind of, married life in there that's just yeah I'm a big soppy fool but you know that's the kind of thing that I that I kind of like um but I gotta fit the honeymoon in that's the thing like I've got to do you've that got to take, <laughs> you've got to take some time off do you know I, I it's know. like I know I had a backer just... write to me on a comment recently saying Aaron you know just take it easy you know, like just make sure I, you're looking after yourself. You know, I've, got I to, just, I've still got to write back to the gentleman or or, or lady, whoever it was that that wrote to me. But uh, um, you know, I'd, I'd respond to that comment because I was touched by it. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, you know, we're we're certainly working hard. That's for sure. We don't you're always uh, working far too hard. You need to take a break sometime. You know, enjoy it. There's no point in like growing a thousand flowers if you can't stop for a while and smell them on occasion. You know. Well, I'm going to have to it get some mean... suggestions about where to go for a honeymoon. You just get to a point where you're just so in the zone all the time, right? Like, I just don't even, you know, it's like, well, where do you go? You know, like, I'm... come over, come over here. You know, visit, visit the old country again. Visit, because you know, I was country. born, because for folks that weren't aware, I was born in, in London, in England. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Richard is based in, as you know, in, you're in Scotland, right? Yeah. Yeah, in yeah. Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, of course. I mean, that's. That's definitely going to happen at some point. I have, I do have to show Nazilla. You know, she wants to come and see English. She hasn't been there before, so I, exactly. I do have to come and give her the tour. I've been, exactly. a, I've been a number of times and enjoyed all the cultural sites, the heritage sites, that sort of thing. So, in fact, actually, cool. the um, the th- there's at least one building that was uh, that was in there that was inspired by the UK, which is uh, Tower Bridge. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Tower Bridge. You can build Tower Bridge in there. That, that that's, is so cool. That, that, that's one of them. And, this is an entire site to Aaron West that I never expected to be hearing from. The kind of the architect, the romantic, the kind of thing. One of the things I guess I do have to ask is: Has do you? Th- is there concerns at all about the fan, the, the kind of the dexterity game kind of fan base? How they're going to take to having a kind of a, a pretty much a different game from what they're used to coming from the Elsa stable? Have you had any feedback to that effect from kind of like the fan base at all? I mean, I'm I'm guessing you've obviously been putting the feelers out and things like that or through the Facebook page and the Facebook kind of groups and stuff like that. Have you had any feedback back from? the kind of the people who have maybe backed previous kind of catacombs projects? Well, there's uh, quite a bit of feedback that I've received. Um, there's a, a friend of mine, Christian Bush, for example. He He's a big catacombs fan. He, in fact, uh, runs an annual catacombs Gen Con event. On Friday night, he'll, he'll set up copies of catacombs and, uh, and, and run those, those games with people. And I showed him cubes at this past Gen Con, and he really liked the look of it and uh, felt that that this was going to be something that he was interested in. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, I publicly showed a near-complete prototype at uh, a Dice Tower Con this year, and I happened to meet some uh, previous backers of our campaigns, and they were all seemed pretty supportive and interested in in what we were doing and Mm -hmm. uh and said yeah we understand that this is going to be different from the 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 typical dexterity uh, flicking discs type mechanics but what you've put together here and the way that it's presented looks looks pretty interesting and uh engaging and we'd we'd like to uh, learn more and, and 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 give it a try so i'm actually not concerned about it um I, I think there's there's enough integration with the the catacombs world that people are going to see it as being a logical extension of it all uh this is not the catacombs theme just pasted onto this there's a lot of thought in the art direction to really um bring the world to life in a sense so there's some characters now that we can focus on that have some importance in the world of, of Catacombs, but when you first open Catacombs 3E, you don't necessarily know about them. Uh, so now we can, we can, we can present some of these characters and, 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 and let people learn a bit more about what they're all about. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, <clears throat> the other thing is because you're involved. I'm not being funny here, but I mean, I mean, you just said yourself, I mean, you don't take days off, you don't take holidays. It's like to the point where it's fairly noticeable that when you get you get behind a project, you're 110% behind the project. And I think that goes a long way, that when you're presenting your next project, and let's face it, it's all the ones that have funded, you know, Conquest, Catacombs and Castles, you know, the Wervin's Lair, the Big Box, the Wildland expansion. I mean, you know, I don't mean to be blowing smoke up your ass here, but kind of, you know, that I have a vague guess potentially that when you put catacombs cubes out there, there's going to be a lot of interest in it because 
people will know you'll be the type of person that's going to put the work in and you've always proven in the past to put the work in. So they think, well, you know, even though I don't know the project, even though I'm not sure of the mechanics, even though I'm not sure of the game itself, I know that like Aaron's behind it, which means that if it's the same kind of attention to detail and passion that's behind his previous efforts, then this is a shoo-in, if you know what I mean. I, I don't mean it's be sycophantic. That sounded sycophantic. <laughs> but, I, I understand what you mean. I mean, but the, the, I'm hoping also that they that they can see for that the, the broadly the a lot of the development has gone into the game already. Uh, you yeah. know, the, the the artwork is finished. There's none of this. So we've got to wait around for the artwork. It's finished. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the game is well play tested. the The manual is complete at launch. It's not one of these. Okay, well, here's a draft manual in Google Docs, right? Like it's it's the yeah. manual. It's complete. Yeah. It's 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 there, and um, you know, for whatever you might say about me, um, we we do have Karsten Reuters of Schwerkraft Verlag publishing a German language version, and he's very discriminating about the the games that he gets behind. I mean, he's the gentleman that pretty much chose. Terraforming Mars, he was one of the very early, if not the first or second, licensees of Terraforming Mars, and went on to um, to, to see that game uh, nominated for the, uh, the the Spiel des Jahres prize, uh, along yeah. as well with Raiders of the North Sea. So yeah. he's he and his team really like what they see with Catacombs Cubes. And they're, they've obviously published Catacombs 3 and in German as well. So at launch, there's another credible voice uh, making, making the game available in another language. Um, so for some bigger companies, that's, that's not really a big deal. Uh, but for a small company like us, you know, to have that extra, uh, extra booth, boost of credibility is, is really appreciated. Um, how's it been with the marketing then? I mean, is it still a tricky horse? I mean, you must have. Is it still, does Kickstarter still seem to be changing how it's running and how it's operating and how you should be approaching it? I mean, even with you having these successful projects um, behind you, are you still having to kind of, still seeing you having to make an effort with the marketing in order to guarantee that, that, that this is going to get picked up and funded? Well, what we've been doing is reaching out to our existing backers on our Catacombs 3 Playmats campaign, because many of them are the, the, some of the core Catacombs players. And yeah. it's not been my intention to spam them with details about Catacombs Cubes, but periodically in updates, I've been informing them about the progress that we've been making. I just put yeah. it at the bottom of an update and say, okay, oh, by the way, you know, we we might have been waiting for something from the factory that's working on Catacombs Three, the playmats, and waiting for some feedback. And now we want to see what, uh, you know, we want to, or rather, I should say, we want to show what we've been working on with Catacombs Cubes. Yeah. And in addition to all of that, of course, we've been re- reaching out to um, people on uh, the various social media channels like yourself, uh, mm-hmm. that will be presenting their own 
uh, opinions of the game. We've been publicly showing it uh, at, at, at conventions, the, the Dice Tower Con convention in particular. And we've been soliciting feedback from from some of our uh, key supporters in the past. So, for example, I mentioned Christian earlier. So, yeah. it's we, we do our best to to, to, to broadcast the, the, the message to the best of our ability. One of the um, one of the other things I should mention is is that we we are hoping to release the game this year, and we are hoping to announce the the, the German language version at the Essen Spiel show, and we're hoping to be launching and or announcing the English language version at PAX Unplugged. So there's, and of course, there's going to be all of the various promotion that we're going to do around the, um, uh, the, 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 the Kickstarter campaign itself. So Cardboard Herald, for example, is preparing a video, uh, giving an overview of the game, and yeah. uh, Twist Gaming are doing a complete uh, playthrough, which will also be available for, for people to, to watch. That'd be cool. Um, what's the price of entry? And have you had to watch the price of entry because of the fluctuating exchange rates as well? Well, it's, it's, it's precisely because of the uh, fluctuating exchange rates that I don't want to, uh, to name uh, a price right this moment because it's going to get frozen in time here on the show. But I can say that um, in terms of a, let's say, a retail version of, of mm. the game – we're aiming for about that forty nine ninety nine uh, USD price point. That's that's okay. the that's the approximate price point that we are uh, looking at now. Of course, when we run our Kickstarter campaign, the prices in that Kickstarter campaign are expressed in Canadian dollars. So, yes. and that's the exchange rate that's going to fluctuate. The other aspect of this too is that um, we can talk all we want about so called retail. But our uh, retail availability for our products, given that we're a small publisher, tends to be spotty in some cases. Yeah. So that's the reality of it, and that's fine. So that's how we have we very much emphasize a, a direct sales model. And so, in in some cases, the the Kickstarter campaign may be, in fact, the best way to get the game. Um, and of course, we'll make it available at our uh, at our online store, and we're always doing our best to. Uh, secure uh, additional distribution. Yeah, the available it'll be broadly available. I think it's safe to say in the U.S. and Canada, um, but uh, Europe and and Asia um, and Australia can be a, a little more questionable. Now, I'm yeah. always doing my best to make progress on these fronts. Um, I've made some progress in regards to Australia recently, for example, um, but. Uh, that, that that's where we stand when it comes to the, the 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 pricing side of it. What we're trying to do in the campaign is to, is to keep it pretty simple. So whereas I alluded to previously with the Catacombs three with the playmats, we had kind of this sushi bar model. Uh, yeah. With with cubes, we want to keep it pretty straightforward. We're not going to be offering any other Catacombs related products during the campaign. It's going yeah. to be focused front and center on cubes. There'll be the the, the game itself, and then there'll be the the, the game 
with with some add-ons. Okay, and the, the really the primary add-on is the 26 inch by 26 inch square neoprene playmat. Okay, so you don't need the playmat to play the game, but it's a really yes. nice accessory uh, because it helps you organize the village tiles on the table. Yes, it kind of integrates the the the, the quarry um, the quarry board with the the, way, the main work track uh, planning board. So, so we we don't really want to get into this kind of complex add-on section or anything like that. It's really just yeah, two yeah. two pledge levels, the game plus a second pledge level where it's like all in if you like. And the the, the key selling point of that all in is the it is is the playmat. So very very simple very simple pricing model and uh, you know that that hopefully will make keep things easy for us as awesome. e- as easy as a kickstarter campaign as can can, as, can be expected easy, to be <laughs> as easy as an elra kickstarter can expect it to be uh, well, cuz it does it does occasionally you do get a bit of days of your life sometimes with the kind of the campaigns and various kind of things happening and stuff like that it's always you know it's always um it's always interesting. Well, one thing that's nice about this campaign is is that uh, in terms of production, we're we're quite a ways along on it. We'll make sure that we um, we put all the links in the show notes so that we've got notes to show. Um, I can only wish you the best of luck with the campaign. I will be certainly um, taking a nosy at it um, because I've already taken a nosy at the rule book and it does look. Fantastic and fun and yes, um, yes. I would say if you're in any doubt at all, um, I you know I have to put my hand on the table and say I'm a big fan of your work. So there you go. And I'm well, horrifically you, biased. I'm horrifically biased. So there you go. Um, but we will put all the sh- links in the show notes so people can catch up with the Kickstarter, which is going to be out there in the wild by the time people are actually listening to this. So That's that right. Should be yes, quite yes, good. Correct. Um, if people want to keep an eye on you, anyway, <laughs> where do you exist on the internet webs? Uh, on Twitter at Elsewhere Games and also mm-hmm. at Catacombs Game. Um, mm-hmm. Facebook as well, same thing. Um, Elsewhere Games, Catacombs Game, and uh, always interested in in hearing from people, comments, questions. Uh, people can email me at uh, um, Aaron, A-R-O-N at uh, Elzra, E-L-Z-R-A dot com Email them to take a break Yeah Let's get a campaign going Take a day off, hashtag Aaron take a day off kind of thing Well you know what, I, I tried to do it yesterday for example uh, So yeah. Nazilla and I went for a walk uh, in a conservation area Okay, let's yeah. just take a break and okay. because I was involved in some discussion around, uh, you know, some translation work that was being done, and it's time yeah. sensitive, yeah. you know, I'm walking down the trail, and I'm actually writing out email at the same time uh, to try and coordinate between people that are six hours ahead of us, and then also people that are in our time zone, and all of that uh, on a Sunday, of course. She's a very, very patient woman. 
Um, anyway, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, uh, go to the internet web, search for We're Not Wizards. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And <clears throat> we've got a blog where we write stuff. And it's blogspot.com with We're Not Wizards in the front. We've got our website, which is We're Not Wizards.com. We've got um, all other lots of little things, places you can find us. Um, and you can also find us on all the podcast catchers of choice. If you do like what you've listened to tonight, then please go ahead and tell somebody else. Um, especially about this episode. Because Aaron, as always, has been amazing. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can drop us a subscription or a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It's apparently changing its rating system as well. So I don't even know. You know, uh, as we say as normal, don't give us, I don't know, 57 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us um, A plus 3 minus C squared stars because it'll make us cry. Give us something along the perpendicular, I don't know like a 5 because it's in the middle and it's average and we're just a little bit average but the person who's not been average tonight or today is rather fantastic the rather wonderful Mr Aaron West thank you so much for coming on sir well thank you very much for having me Richard, it's always a pleasure and um, I'm sure we'll uh, sure we'll do it again and uh, you know, also would just like to thank you. Uh, I think this is since the first time I've been on the show since it came out for uh, allowing us to put the We're Not Wizards recommended logo oh. on the front of the Catacombs 3E box. So thank you so much for that. We really do appreciate it. No, we really like Catacombs. It's fantastic. Me and Colin love it. So there we go. There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Aaron? Oh, I'm definitely not. Just a humble Kickstarter yeah. creator. <laughs> oh, he's a superman of our time. And um, the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Aaron. Say goodbye, Aaron. Take care, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed uh, Rich and I's uh, conversation. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, and um, get your hands dirty. Get some bricks, get some mortar, get some obsidian, get some diamonds, get some bamboo. Get yourself on Kickstarter. Check out Catacombs Cubes. Um, it's gonna. It looks fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Mm-hmm.